This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one -on -one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ever been ringside and got blood on you? Oh, all the time. This is the Sports Illustrated Boxing Podcast. Anthony Joshua is a composed and ferocious finisher. Watch this. Andy Ruiz is the heavyweight champion. Hosted by SI's Chris Mannix. That was really embarrassing. That was my moment. Now with interviews, analysis, and everything going on in the world of boxing. When you have talent, you are given another chance. Here's Chris Mannix. All right, Dan Raphael is here, longtime boxing writer. You can read him now at BoxingScene.com, RingTV.com, Ring Magazine. You can also check out his daily newsletter. You can subscribe to that at DanRaphael.Substack.com. A terrific read every morning called Fight Freaks Unite. Uh, good, uh, good stuff from Dan every single day. I look forward to reading that in the morning. Dan, what's going on, my friend? Not too much. Just keeping busy with all those things you just mentioned. I appreciate you uh, giving the uh, giving the the heads up on the newsletter. It's uh, it's a, a labor of love at the moment, and we'll try to make it into something bigger. But I'm glad you're enjoying it. Of course, of course. No, it's good stuff. It's really good stuff. Uh, like I said, I do look forward to it every day, and uh, I'm glad you're uh, glad you're doing it. Keeps me keeps me versed, Dan, on what the schedule is for sure, and uh, <laughs> you know the long list of champions which you uh, painstakingly put together. I don't uh, don't envy that task. As I, as I said, Chris, you know what? I obsess so you don't have to. Yeah, smart, smart. Um, let's obsess over something right off the bat, though. That would be uh, Caleb Plant's performance last weekend, a shutout against Caleb Truex. Uh, not unexpected. I mean, Caleb Truex, a former title holder, but three years removed from uh, that experience. And yeah, like he's, and since then, he hasn't really done much. He had a uh, no contest against Peter Quillen. He had a low-level win in his last time out. So I think... Caleb Plant was a 50-1 to 1 favorite going in, and uh, he performed like it in that fight. I guess my question for you then, Dan, is did we learn anything about Caleb Plant? He's undefeated. He's obviously talented, I mean, good foot speed, good hand speed. Did we learn anything about the IBF super middleweight champion? I mean, we learned that he did what he was supposed to do, and sometimes that's important for a fighter, that when you're in a fight where – you're 50 to one. I didn't think 50 to one was fair. I mean, certainly he should have been a big heavy favorite, but that's a little bit uh, wide in my mind. But the bottom line is when you have a boxer in that position, can they do what they're supposed to do? Do they wilt under the pressure of being the heavy favorite? Uh, can they perform at that level? And I think other than not getting a knockout, which has really not been Caleb, uh, Caleb Plant's game so much in his professional career, he did exactly what he was supposed to do. He looked good. He was fast. He was sharp. He boxed from a bunch of different angles. He gave a bunch of different looks. He did some damage. And uh, I thought he, he boxed a very good fight. I have no, really no quarrel or anything negative to say about Caleb Plant's performance in that fight. He is an outstanding super middleweight. His resume may be slightly light at the moment, but I think if you go on the eye test, he clearly is a talented fighter. Uh, I don't know if, you know, he says, like, because that's what champions are supposed to do, is they believe they're the best guy in the weight class. And, you know, I'm number one and that kind of stuff. He hasn't proven that yet. But the good thing is, He's going to position where now he can get some of those bigger fights and, you know, he can get to working on proven that he is uh, perhaps the best 168 pounder in the world. 
But uh, I thought he looked good. Nothing to complain about. So you use the phrase uh, outstanding super middleweight. Um, do, we, do we know that about Caleb Plant at this point? I mean, Caleb Plant's resume makes Callum Smith's look robust by comparison. I mean, he really hasn't beaten anybody uh, outside of Ustakagi to win his title uh, first time around. And since then, he's fought Mike Lee, he's fought Vincent Feigenboots, and then he fought Caleb Truex. I mean, these are all fights where he has been a massive favorite in. And look, you can see hallmarks of a good fighter, you know, hand speed, foot speed, like I mentioned, all those things. But like I'm watching Caleb Plant fight Caleb Truex, and granted, you wouldn't fight the same way, but, you know, kind of a little of the flashiness I saw in Plant in that fight, I'm thinking, like, he fights Canelo, like, he's, that, that's not going to work. Like, none of that's going to, to work against an A-level fighter like Canelo. I mean, do you feel comfortable enough from what you've seen of Caleb Plant to, to consider him, you know, one of the top guys at 168, or is it the belt that's propping him up? Well, I mean, the belt doesn't hurt, obviously, because he did beat a, a quality guy to get the belt. But uh, I don't disagree with what you're saying about their lack of competition. Uh, but if you take a look, I mean, Mike Lee was a joke uh, in terms of a challenger. But in Feigenboons and in uh, Truax, they were not obviously A-level fighters, but they were both competent professionals, you know, with some level of experience and some level of, uh, you know, good performances in, the, in, their, in their background, even if not against the very, very best fighters. So I, I do feel confident to say that Caleb Plant is one of the best 168 pounders. I didn't say he's the best 168 pounder. He would probably disagree with us in that assessment. Uh, and he has to prove that, I think, in terms of what he can do. And that would mean fighting some of the other top guys in that division, whether it's a, a David Benavides, which has been discussed because they're both with PBC, or obviously uh, down the road against Canelo. If Canelo comes through uh, the next couple of fights he has planned, you know, maybe at the end of this year. Um, I do think he is one of the best in the weight class. I base that on what we've seen him do, his amateur background, and, you know, frankly, just my experience of 20-plus years of covering boxing and watching a lot of fights and seeing how guys perform, talking to him, getting to know him a little bit, sort of getting a feel for his team and, and sort of his attitude and his mentality. So I do think it's a fair way to judge him. But, of course, there's no better way to actually say for sure than to see him in the ring perform against one of the top guys, win or lose, if you compete with the best um, you know, you can, you, you can't, nobody's going to argue with you when you say you're one of the best guys in the division. Obviously the best way to prove it though, will be to go and fight Canelo Alvarez and win. Speaking of that fight, um, I guess it's the expectation that Caleb Plant will wait to see what happens with Canelo, uh, against Avni Yildirim and against Billy Joe Saunders in May, uh, you know, I, I don't love it, but I guess that's the way it goes, right? Like, if you have a chance to cash a winning lottery ticket, you don't, you know, get, let that ticket out of your sight. In this case, letting it out of your sight would be taking on a significant challenge like a David Benavidez. All that being said, and I've discussed this on the pod in the past, Dan, like, I, I don't know how you go from D-level fighters to A-level fighters and think you have a chance. I, I just don't. I, I think Caleb Plant's got talent, but, you know, going from... You know, guys like Feigenboots and most recently Caleb Truax into a fight with the best pound for pound guy in all of boxing. Like, that's that's the huge step up in class. And look, we saw Callum Smith make that step up in class. And Callum Smith had some decent wins on his resume, most notably the George Groves uh, win in the uh, World Boxing Super Series uh, final. And, and he really didn't have a chance. Like, he was blown out uh, in that fight. I, I just, I'm, I guess my question is uh, it's not even a question. I'm struggling for. I'm struggling for ways to see a path to victory for Caleb Plant in a fight against Canelo. Maybe it's that nobody can beat Canelo, but up until this point, I just haven't seen enough from Caleb Plant against you know guys with a proverbial pulse to make me believe that fight would be competitive. It's hard. I mean, it's hard to disagree with that. I mean, you you have to say if you're looking for a path forward, it's uh, his speed, his his ability to box in different styles. But we're talking about the, against the very best guy. Most guys aren't going to be Canelo Alvarez, whoever they are, Caleb Plant or otherwise, and he's been he's been proving that you know fight in and fight out. So what I would like to see, and I don't know if it will happen because as you mentioned, if you have the lottery ticket, uh, he doesn't have it necessarily yet because Canelo still has some business to attend to, and you never know uh, what happens in this crazy sport. Um, but and Dan and Dan, before you finish that, and you also never know if Canelo will choose to cash his lottery ticket, which might be Golovkin. Like there still is. 
a lot of financial interest for Canelo to fight Gennady Golovkin. And if Golovkin winds up, again, we don't know this to be true, but if there's a Munguia fight and Golovkin wins that one, which could be a fight of the year, I mean, between those two guys, just banging Mm -hmm. it out. If Golovkin wins that, the money could be incredible. So Caleb Plant might be waiting around for nothing in 2021 if uh, Canelo goes that direction. But continue. I mean, I think, though, that if if he's not going to, if he's not, if he's if he's not going to just wait to see what happens with Canelo's next couple of fights, and maybe Benavidez is too of a much of a risk, it wouldn't shock me. And, and maybe there's even been a conversation about this in the back uh, behind the scenes. Who's the next? Oh, Caleb Plant just fought the Fox PBC main event uh, that just took place. Who's the next Fox main event? Wow. Well, it's super middleweight Anthony Durrell, a former title holder, in a fight where he's going to be a big big favorite. It would not shock me whatsoever is if they both, you know, uh, Caleb Plant has already won his fight. If Darrell takes care of his business against Kyron Davis coming up in February, you know, that would not be a surprise for me to see a fight between Plant and Darrell sort of like around the spring, summertime, uh, because I don't think that Caleb Plant is going to just sit around and not fight until the end of the year without even knowing 100% if he's going to get that fight with Canelo. So, you know, every fight is, is a calculated risk, and there's always a gamble when you're in there with the ring, in the ring with another guy throwing punches at your head. But if you're making a calculated risk, a Caleb Plant at this stage of his career compared to an Anthony Durrell at his stage of his career, and I have a lot of respect for Anthony Durrell, but you'd have to make um, Caleb Plant the favorite in that fight. So that's a fight that PBC could make. It's a, it's a perfectly reasonable, interesting kind of fight that would serve very well as a Fox main event. As an interim bout before – uh, the guy with the IBF belt can cash that lottery ticket against Canelo because Canelo's stated goal is not that he wants to fight Caleb Plant. He doesn't care about Caleb Plant. He wants to fight the guy that's got the belt because he says he wants to be undisputed. So whether it's Plant or Darrell or somebody else that's got that IBF title, that's going to be the guy that Canelo's going to want to fight. It would have been the same had Truex pulled the upset. So I think that's a reasonable situation that we could see unfold is, is a Plant versus Darrell fight spring, summer, and see what happens in the next couple of Canelo Alvarez fights. And triple. Let me ask, like, let me ask you this, though, Dan. Like, uh, hypothetically, you've seen a mm-hmm. lot of David Benavidez. You've now seen a lot of Caleb Plant. Who would you favor in a fight like that? Boy, that's a great style matchup because, you know, Benavidez is just a guy with a durable chin and a big punch and just mm-hmm. straight forward and the gunslinger and young and strong and hungry. Uh, and, and Plant has some of those attributes, not the punching power necessarily, but has a similar sort of chip on his shoulder. That's a, that's a really interesting fight. Um, you know, I learned a long time ago that when it comes to those kind of matchups, all things being equal, usually you go with the boxer because they can just do more things. But I've seen David Benavides. He's just such a brute. He just takes it all out of you that I might have to slightly favor Benavides just in a, you know, because he's going to force you into a rumble and just not give you a chance to breathe. But if there's a guy that could counter that, it might be a guy like Plant who's got that speed that we've talked about and good boxing IQ, really knows his way around the ring, experienced uh, from his amateur days. Uh, you know, gun to my head, I guess I would probably pick Benavides, but I don't undersell Plant. I think, you know, he's kind of been uh, undersold by some people. Um, I would love to see that fight. I'd love to see it too, man. Like, I understand the what winner, Plant's doing. The winner yeah. right there. That's legit. You, you put those two guys in the ring. Now the winner comes out of that fight with a mandate to fight against Canelo Alvarez. I agree. This is what I was, I mean, part of my obsession with uh, Demetrius Andre, Jamal Charlo, was that oh, the winner would have is. a mandate. Not gonna, I'm done with that fight for now. Especially with Andre. I'm, so saying, I'm depressed, like, though, because that's the fight that we I was like, I told you, you were pushing the, you were driving the, the, the bandwagon up, but I was sitting shotgun, brother. I think Andre is like a cruiserweight at this point, so we'll put that on the shelf for a while. But the <laughs> winner of that fight... The winner of that fight would have a mandate, would have had a mandate to fight Canelo at 160. The winner of Plant versus Benavidez not only would have the title that Canelo wanted, but there would be a mandate and a lot of interest, I think, or more interest at least, in that fight on a pay-per-view at some point uh, in the fall. But I think it's more likely that we see Plant either wait it out to see what happens uh, in May. He does have that hand injury. I'm not sure how significant that is in his decision-making at this point. But uh, it's either that or... The Durrell option makes a lot of sense uh, as well. Um, let's talk about uh, Manny Pacquiao for a second. The WBA's new champion in recess. Well done, <laughs> WBA. Um, he Ugh. is still out there searching for a fight. Whenever I discuss Manny Pacquiao rumors, Dan, one of the things I bring up is that nobody's ever quite sure 
who's speaking for Pacquiao and who has the power to speak for Pacquiao. Like, years past, you knew Bob Arum had influence there. I mean, and Bob knew who to talk to within Team Pacquiao to get a clear answer from most of the time. Now, there's no real rhyme or reason. There is no Bob Arum attached to this. Michael Kantz has long since passed his point of having any kind of influence there. Now you have Adi Attar, who is, uh, uh, you know, his, his agent per se, and who has put out legal notices saying, like, you have to negotiate with me to have anything to do with Manny Pacquiao. Sean Gibbons is out there as well, part of Pacquiao's uh, promotional company. But it when these, I guess it's a roundabout way of bringing up the Ryan Garcia stuff. When the Ryan Garcia stuff first came out, my instant reaction was, does Golden Boy or Garcia's team know who they're negotiating with? Like, are they aware? I mean, how interested is Pacquiao really in this fight? And now, as we record this on Thursday of this week, it doesn't seem like there's any momentum anymore for Pacquiao versus Ryan Garcia. So that's my way of setting up the question of where do you think we are with this fight? Do you think there's any chance uh, a fight between Pacquiao and Ryan Garcia could be put together? uh, Or do you think both guys will go in a different direction? I guess it's possible they could put it together, but I think that fight coming up the way it did was more a force of will on Ryan Garcia putting it out there and Pacquiao not not, not embracing it necessarily, but not saying no, not saying forget about it, kid. Um, and, and, you know, to Ryan Garcia's credit, he's got himself a whole lot of exposure and a lot of, uh, notoriety just by being associated with the Pacquiao name. Just because, he's so smart for that. He's really smart. Yeah. That stuff. Just on the possibility that he might fight Manny Pacquiao. So there's that. And I think, you know, knowing Ryan Garcia, you know, his entire career and I've interviewed him and, you know, talked to him many times. I have no doubt in my mind that had that been a real possibility and somebody put a a contract in front of him, you know, in a, in a, in a legitimate uh, uh, deal that he would have taken that fight. But there's been comments from the Golden Boy people, and I think also from the Pacquiao side of Tar, for example, I think it was a Tar, that that was not happening at this point. I frankly, you know, when it was first broached, I thought, okay, this is like, a, as a, I'm looking at my calendar, are we on April Fool's? Because I know people are equating uh, sort of the way that that would go to the way that it was when Pacquiao was the young gun and he fought the older uh, Oscar De La Hoya, but the two are really, it, on surface, I understand the comparison, but they're entirely different because Pacquiao, when he was the young gun coming up uh, and fighting Oscar and moving up in a way to do so, he already was an established star fighter, maybe not to the level he became, but he was already a pay-per-view guy. He'd already had fights with Marquez and Morales and Barrera, and he was already a known, uh, you know, established world champion, you know, with a good resume already. And Ryan Garcia has not yet won a major world title. He doesn't have that kind of name recognition in terms of his opposition. You know, his biggest win is Luke Campbell, which, you know, was a good win for him. Obviously I don't take anything away from that, but that's not Barrera. That's not Morales. That's not Marquez uh, or any of the other guys that, that, that Manny Pacquiao had faced. So I don't think that they were the same. So I, I never really believed that that was happening. Um, that said, if they decided to make that, I would watch that. I mean, you know, I, I can appreciate Ryan Garcia's, uh, you know, his attitude of daring to be great. And I look at Manny Pacquiao at his age and all of his accomplishments and all the titles and everything that he has done in this sport and uh, inside the ring and outside the ring. You know, if he, he can fight anybody he wants and there's nobody should complain about it because we've seen the best of Pacquiao. He's done what he's, what he's done for 20 plus years. He's one of the greatest fighters in the history of boxing. And if he wants to take that kind of fight at the end of his career, then, you know, I'll watch it and he can do whatever he wants. Uh, that said, I don't think it's going to happen. And so you go, who's going to Pacquiao going to fight? I do think that it's a tar and to a degree Sean Gibbons can speak for Pacquiao, but the one that can speak for himself is Manny Pacquiao. He can speak for himself. He's a grown man. He knows the business at this point. Uh, you know, he, he, he can certainly come out publicly and say, this is what we're negotiating or, you know, I'll have news for you in a few weeks or whatever the case may be. If you don't want to negotiate, you know, in public and, and just go tell his people, be it a tar or Sean or whoever else is working with him, you know, this is what I want. Go make the fight. So, uh, Manny Pacquiao is perfectly capable of speaking for himself. Um, where he goes from here, it, it remains to be seen. One thing, though, uh, if you talk to Sean or other people around Pacquiao, they acknowledge, you know, it's it's like maybe at most two more fights, uh, and they would like to get those done. You know, we'll see what happens. I don't think it's going to be Garcia. You know, there's rumors that he's going to fight Mayweather again. I don't buy that. Um, you know, as we have discussed, I think, on the pod in the past, there was a movement afoot about a year ago, uh, end of February last year, after Mikey Garcia uh, defeated Jesse Vargas, that that would be a possibility. That would be an interesting fight. Uh, Eddie Hearn spoke about that fight. Uh, the side seemed to be interested about doing a Mikey Garcia fight uh, to take on Pacquiao. 
perhaps in a location in the Middle East. Of course, the pandemic sort of, uh, you know, put a lot of those plans aside. Um, I guess we'll have to see. But Mikey Garcia would make sense uh, if that's something if Pacquiao still wants to, to get back in the ring and Mikey still has an interest. You know, I tell you, I, Sneaky, really like the idea of Ryan Garcia and Pacquiao for a couple of reasons. One, uh, look, Pacquiao's at the point where I don't think he should be taking dangerous fights. That would eliminate Errol Spence. That would eliminate Terrence Crawford. I mean, he's in that cash grab point of his career. I mean, he just turned 42. Like, he's an older guy. And he's, you know, well past the point of people saying he's ducking this guy or he's ducking that guy. And Ryan Garcia is one of those guys where, you know, you could probably make a pretty good amount of money. I think that would do pretty well either on a pay-per-view or if DAZN came up with the money for it, uh, do it on the streaming service. And if you're Pacquiao, you say, you know, Ryan, Ryan Garcia... Uh, I could probably beat him moving up to 147 or 144, whatever weight you put it on. I'm going to be a favorite in a fight like that. But I don't look at Ryan Garcia as being, you know, this underdog who can't win. I mean, we've seen when Pacquiao's lost, especially when he's been knocked out, it's like a punch he doesn't see. It's like a big shot. Like Juan Manuel Marquez hit him with that counter shot when Pacquiao's coming in. That's what Ryan Garcia does. Not at the level Mm -hmm. that Marquez was doing it. Marquez is a Hall of Famer. Uh, but Ryan Garcia's got that fast twitch, and he could catch Pacquiao with a big shot any weight class. So I, I had a lot of... I, I was getting, when, when Ryan was putting that stuff on social media, I got a little bit excited about it. I'm like, all right, I can, I can get on board with Ryan uh, Garcia. I, I confess, I was getting a little excited also, but the thing about it that, that you're not mentioning, I agree with everything you just said about the Pacquiao part of the equation. If that fight were to happen, and let's say Ryan Garcia lost, I don't think too many people would count too much against him in that loss because you moved up a couple of weight classes or whatever, 10 pounds or so. You lost to like the legend, all-time great fighter. Yeah, granted, he's at the end of his career. But people should remember also, by the way, Manny may be 42 and near the end, but he's coming off one of his greatest wins in his career against Keith Thurman. I mean, that was a huge victory. Not only that he got the win, but the way he went about getting the win and dismantling a much younger guy who was you know, highly regarded and highly considered a welterweight with a with an excellent resume, and uh, you know I actually chronicled that in uh, there. The one there was a recent issue of the Ring Magazine that was a um, it was a um, all about Pacquiao and like a just a look at his career. And one of the pieces that was in there I wrote about was sort of like the 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 return to the top, if you will, was the victory against Keith Thurman. Spent some time you know reviewing that fight and talking to people around that fight. What he did in that fight, Pacquiao, should not be forgotten or discounted. This is not an old, used-up Pacquiao coming off that win that would theoretically be going into the ring against Ryan Garcia or anybody else. It's only been that there's been a layoff, which has not been because of an injury or because Pacquiao didn't want a fight or he retired. It's really mainly because the virus has shut so many things down, combined with his own schedule in terms of what he has to do in his job as a senator in the Philippines. So uh, by all accounts, Manny Pacquiao is ready, willing, anxious, and able to come back and and fight. Yeah, I wouldn't expect him to be back one way or the other until, you know, we get more than just the 15,000 in Texas you're allowed or the 15,000 in Florida or until the Middle East opens up, which to my knowledge, it is not. Like the Middle East is not throwing a lot of money out there for any fights anytime soon. So I think Pacquiao may be on the shelf uh, for a little while longer. But I'd be on board for Ryan Garcia. I'd be on board for Mikey Garcia. Either one of those fights makes some sense to me. Uh, Let's talk about the light heavyweight division, Dan, which is... A division I'm kind of sneaky excited about. I keep saying sneaky this, but I'm... All right, forget sneaky. I'm actually excited about what the light heavyweight division could offer over the next, let's say, 18 months. On March 13th, you have got Joe Smith uh, fighting Maxime Vlasov for the WBO version of the title. Arthur Betterbiev, cross your fingers, is going to return a month later uh, and defend his two titles. You get Dimitri Bivol out there just kind of waving his hands at everybody saying, somebody fight me. Please, God, somebody fight me. I think we could get some good fights. It seems more likely than not that if Smith wins, or even if Vlasov wins, I guess, but Smith versus Betterbiev is a fight that's likely to happen sometime maybe June, July. You know, Bob Aram has mentioned Madison Square Garden as a possibility. Smith, popular guy from Long Island. And then you've got Bivol, who, again, is begging to fight anybody. So I don't think it happens this year, but early next year, there could be an undisputed light heavyweight champion out there. What do you think? I don't know if we're going to get undisputed, but I do think with the question of Joe Smith wins or even Vlasov for that matter, as you mentioned, uh, and, and if uh, Betterbiev doesn't have his, his upcoming fight postponed yet again against Adam Danes and he wins, we're going to see Joe Smith 
uh, against Better Be of uh, some. Oh, I love that fight. I love that fight, man. I bombs a, away. Love that fight. No, I mean it's a great matchup. I have there's no question about it. I mean you have two big punchers. Uh, you know, Better Be has shown himself to be a little bit vulnerable the way he got dropped uh, against Callum Johnson. Uh, Joe Smith is 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 a is a, a very hard puncher, but he's not unbeatable. He's got a couple losses, including a decision against Bivol. Um, but it, it's bombs away, and you put a New Yorker with a fan base like Joe against a Russian where there's a large Russian population. If they can put that fight in a venue in the New York area, I have no doubt it would do a good crowd if we can have fans in the arena. Uh, and the main thing, though, is Better Biev and Joe are favorites to win those fights. It's a fight that can be made with no problem in terms of promotion. It's no problem in terms of uh, a sanctioning. It's no problem in terms of uh, the, the political will from both sides. They both won. I did an interview with Joe Smith uh, just yesterday for a piece I'm doing ahead of his fight against Vlasov for the Ring Magazine's website. And we spoke a little bit about the Better BF fight. He says, look, I got my business to take care of next week. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it means a lot to me if I can win that title. But without question, if, if I'm offered that fight and we can work it out, I absolutely want to fight Better BF. I'm in this business to fight the best guys and to make the most money. And that's the way to do it. So you're not going to find Joe Smith turning the fight down. And, and if, for Better BF, who's already won two of the titles, um, I have no doubt that he'd be willing to take that fight also to, to unify. It's a, it's a very good fight. Now, they may not be the biggest names in the sport, but again, no, no promotional issues, no network issues, no sanctioning body issues, uh, two camps that are interested and willing. And, uh, you know, Joe DeGuardia with, with uh, Joe Smith and Top Rank have done plenty of business. They have worked together on Joe the last couple of fights. You know, I, I, truly, I believe that fight will, will 100% happen uh, if they're both victorious. It's a great fight, too, because Better Biev has bricks in his hands. And you so have to. Smith, I know way. I'm going to get there in a second, but you like for Better Biev, as we saw with Vodzik, you've got to be able to, you know, move, keep him off you for 12 rounds to have any chance to win the fight. Smith is the exact same way. Like, you know, Jesse Hart couldn't beat him because Jesse Hart couldn't keep Smith off him for that long. Same thing with. Uh, Elidier Alvarez couldn't keep Smith off him for that wrong. And I think Smith is just, I think he's really underrated. Like, you look at the three losses. One, very early in his career, six-rounder that he lost. Then he loses to Sullivan Barrera when he had a broken jaw in that mm -hmm. fight. He loses to Bevo. And, and by the way, still went the yeah, distance with Barrera. Went the distance with a broken jaw. You've got to be kidding me. Guy is really freaking tough. And then he fights Bevo, and Bevo is an elite boxer. And mm -hmm. Bevo has a great chin. So, like, those two things... It's going to be hard for Joe Smith to ever beat Dimitri Bivol. I've said that to Joe. I've said, you know, this is a guy that is kind of built to fight you. You can't knock him out with one shot, and he's got the skill set to keep moving and sticking you over the course of the fight. Here's a I very... Hope, oh, go ahead. No, yeah. I'm just going to say, I'm just going to go on. Like, I, I just hope that, and I, I don't even want to look past Bivol better be because, I mean, better be uh, versus Smith, because, God, I want to see that fight. I would be hopefully ringside to watch a fight like that. Right. But, man, I would love to see if it's better be Better be a Bevel is a fun fight, too. I mean, Bevel, yeah. more boxer than puncher, but can crack a little bit. And better be of, of course, you know, the, the boogeyman, so to speak, at light heavyweight. It feels like there's a pathway yeah. to getting a, uni a unified, undisputed light heavyweight champion. Well, two points about the light heavyweights in that fight that we're talking about. Number one, here's the thing about Joe Smith. He, he's never won a major world title yet, and he's got some very good victories. But, you know, when I was getting ready to do my interview with him. And I was looking at his record. I, it dawned on me and I realized how unusual this fact is. Here you have a guy that without having a title to his credit has twice in his career, 2016, I believe it was. And also in this past year, nominated by the boxing writers and on the ballot, he didn't win and he didn't deserve the win, but he was nominated, which is still only four or five guys to be the fighter of the year coming off the two wins that he had in 2020 against Jesse Hart and also against Storm Alvarez by spectacular knockout. And then if you go back to the, the year I mentioned where he came out of nowhere and had that, you know, tremendous upset first-round knockout against uh, Andrew Fanfara on national television. And then from there, you know, the fight that I helped make against Bernard Hopkins where he scored the knockout. So a guy with two Fighter of the Year nominations without being uh, having won a world title. So that tells you the kind of guy Joe is, that he's willing to fight the top guys. Um, so I think that, that that says something about his willingness. So when you talk about being, is, can there be undisputed, it's not going to be the Joe Smith side that, that turns any of these fights down. Uh, the other thing is, when you mentioned just the, the sheer uh, potential for an action-packed fight between Better Be Up and Joe Smith, 
they're not exactly the same, but it reminds me a little bit, you know, as uh, somebody that is steeped in my video library and loves to watch old fights, it makes me think of some of the great action fights of uh, like the late 70s, 80s. I think specifically about Matthew Saad Muhammad, the Hall of Fame, former champion in the light heavyweight division who fought, you know, a ton of top guys and had some incredible battles and incredible action slugfests. And I think that Joe Smith against Better Bia would shape up like one of those kind of fights. Let me say this to finish it about Bevel. Um, if I'm Bevel's management, if Smith fights better Biev, I'm getting on the undercard. I'm taking less money. I'm taking whatever money to fight anybody on the undercard. And I'm going to tell you why here. Because if you're on the undercard, it sets up a unification fight, your next fight, which would mean significant money. Not sure how much, but it would be a career-high payday probably mm -hmm. for Dimitri Bevel. And here's the other thing. If Bevel can find a way to beat either Betterbiev or Smith again, if Smith winds up the winner of that fight, what you think Canelo Alvarez wouldn't pay attention to that? You think Canelo sure. wouldn't be interested in becoming undisputed light heavyweight champion in May of 2022 or September of 2022? We know Canelo seems to like this idea. It kind of came out of nowhere in a way because I don't think he was this focused on all the titles at middleweight. But at super middleweight, he's pretty focused on getting all those titles. You don't think he'd be intrigued to have a one-off against a smallish light heavyweight like Bevel? I don't see Canelo jumping at the chance to face better Bev. That doesn't seem like a fight that would interest him. But Bevel, I think, would. And right now, Bevel, with his one belt, nobody really cares. But if Bevel can find a way in early 2022 to get his hands on all four, then that's the lottery ticket that he can cash against Canelo at some point before the end of the year. So if I'm Bevel, and that fight happens between Smith and better Bev, I don't care if they're offering like a hundred grand to fight, you know, some one of Joe's buddies from the Long Island Union. Like I am getting into the ring on that fight at Mad Square Garden. I'm positioning myself to fight the winner, and I'm betting on myself that I win that fight and I can get Canelo in 2022. I mean, it's a good idea, uh, and and also Bivol has already been out there. I've, this is going back. I wanted to say maybe uh, last time I was in Vegas, which was I guess February for the Wilder. And Fury rematch, I think it was there where I talked to people. I believe that was the fight. In any event, he talked about like he's he's not a big light heavyweight. He and his manager, uh, Vadim Kornilov, talked about, yeah, he would be willing to go down to 168 pounds. So if, if he was there and, and weight was a factor, I mean, I don't know why it would be since Canelo fought Kovalev at the full 175. But I believe that if it was something that needed to get done to make a deal, that there would be a willingness to drop a few pounds at a catch weight if necessary for the titles. The only fly in that ointment, I love the plan. I love what you just mentioned. I just don't think there'd be any interest, even if it was to unify, frankly, to see a rematch between Joe Smith and Bivol because Bivol's victory was so one-sided yeah. and comprehensive um, that it would make it a hard sell. Now, maybe if Joe Smith goes out there and looks tremendous against Vlasov and maybe Bivol gets a big win or something between now and then, you know, maybe, you, you know, you could, you know, finagle your way into that. Uh, that aside, you know, it's a great plan. I think for Bivol, who doesn't have anything set up at the moment, who doesn't have a natural rival, you know, who doesn't have a home specifically on a network. Yes, I know he's been on the zone, but it's not like he's tied to them. That uh, and on that undercard would make a lot of sense for sure, because you can you can try to outshine the main event and uh, put yourself in a wonderful position to potentially get the winner of the fight. Yeah, fight for a Metro card and you know a gift card to raise pizza. Like it doesn't matter. You're 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 setting yourself up. And plus, pizza I would or John's Pizza, which is I go raise on that one. I, like for Bevel, it actually I think if, if you're top rank, and I don't even know if Bevel is still aligned with Matchroom, but Matchroom doesn't really have anything for him at this point. But if you're Bevel and you're top rank, top bring him in and then put him against a couple of guys this year that he can knock out. Like Bevel caught our attention because he kind of had this light heavyweight Golovkin thing going on early in his career. Now, that changed as his competition improved a little bit, and he fought some guys that had some decent chins, like a Joe Smith, and, uh, you know, Lennon Castillo was okay. Uh, but put him in with guys that he's able to stop. Like, build some momentum. Pay him a couple of bucks to either headline a small show or fight on the undercard of Smith versus Betterbiev and put him in with guys that he can just flatten to make people think, oh, I remember that guy, Bivol. He was right. the one that was knocking guys out. So build something, build some momentum there. I, I agree. I agree with you on Smith. Like Smith would have to just destroy Betterbiev uh, Better to mm -hmm. get any kind of real interest in a Bivol rematch because, I mean, I was there for that fight. Bivol so boxed box circles around around Joe Smith and yeah, not, not, not good, not good. But if he's, if he knocks out Vlasov and if he beats up 
better be up. And we both probably agree, Smith better be up. Don't even bring judges into that one. Like, it's not going to the cards. Like, those two are just going to wail on each other until somebody goes down. So if it ends well for Smith, I could see some momentum built for that. But really, for Bevel, you're just, you've got your team better be of, you know, shirt on, and you're rooting for that guy to win. Chris, here, here's the thing about it. It's, this is not rocket science. I mean, we're sitting here just sort of talking about it. All the fights, we're not talking pie-in-the-sky stuff. This is not, we're not talking about some outlandish situation where, the dollars are so absurd or there's too much of an issue with network or promoter. These are every single thing that we have just mentioned, putting the Canelo aspect if he wants to go up aside because who knows what he wants to do. But all the matchups that we're mentioning, undercard spot of this or that, they're all legitimately doable with a little bit of, you know, people just sitting down and talking about it and trying to agree. Now, I don't think Bibble's coming for a hundred grand on an undercard. It's going to have to make some money because he's been making good money. But, you know, again, there's ways to, you know, there's multiple ways to do this. Um, I think that those are all possible fights to be made. They all, I think, would fit within budgetary constraints. They're fights that fans would be interested in. Certainly, uh, Bivol uh, fighting the winner of a Joe Smith against Better Beav. If Joe Smith looks spectacular, you know, going towards those fights. If Better Beav wins, it's a new fight. Um, the division is not super deep, but it's top heavy with some good guys up top that can make for some notable and interesting fights. And they're all uh, available to do it on one I, platform without. I agree on, I, I agree. He's not going to fight. I agree. He's not going to fight for hundred grand, but like if you're Bevel, you haven't fought since October of 2019. There's no plans for you to fight right now. Like don't price yourself out. Like take, you know, take a cut rate mm -hmm. and align yourself with top rank. <laughs> like just, you know, tell, you know, Vadim and all this guy. I mean, for what it's worth, I mean, I've talked to, I've talked to Vadim about that. And he's like, listen, I, you know, he hears the rumors that they're, they're asking for too much money. He's like, we're not, we want to fight, you know, we're willing to do this, but they weren't interested. You know, top rank had its budget. They elected to sign better be when Bivol was also there as a possibility. Which I understand, and, uh, which you know, I get. There's only so much money to go around. There's only so many dates to go around. There's only so many slots to go around, but Bivol is the kind of talent that should have get a look to do this. Now he hasn't set the world on fire. He's, had a few stinkers in a row, uh, but we can agree. I think Chris, he's an extremely talented boxer. Um, you know, and if you talk to him, his English is improved. He actually has a good, a bit of a personality. You know, he's not like a guy that's got a scowl or is not interested to en engage with the fans or with the press. I mean, I think there's something to work with there. Um, and I would hope that, you know, that he doesn't go another, you know, six months or a year without, without another fight. And, and he can get a little bit more active because uh, you know, in COVID era, there's a lot of guys that sometimes are going to fall through the cracks and aren't going to get the fight as much as they want to, which is like in the Joe Smith case, you know, his situation worked out as good as you could ask for in this uh, situation. He fought in January right before this all happened. And then he was right back in there in mid August when things were back, you know, going. So he was able to get two quality fights in 2020, where if you go back and you look at a bunch of other top fighters, you know, they're not going to have that sort of activity or level of fight on their record. Joe Smith was one of the lucky ones and he's made the most of the opportunity. I could even see, do you think Canelo would fight Joe Smith if Joe Smith was undisputed? Yeah. Absolutely, yes. I don't. You think he would fight better, Biev? I have to be honest. I don't think that if in the right circumstance for the right deal, I don't think there's anybody from sixty to seventy-five that Canelo would say no. That might be one they think I about. Though. They might think about that one. That well, you think about every. Listen, in boxing, you think about every opponent. You do your analysis. You talk to your people. You look at the tape. You talk to your trainer. You know. If Canelo Alvarez was going to fight a better BF, certainly a guy like Eddie Reynoso, the trainer, is going to have a big say-so in whether he thinks that that's something we could do. But Canelo Av Alvarez, the, the person, the athlete, who I've covered for many, many years, who has a resume that is second to none in boxing other than maybe Manny Pacquiao in terms of active fighters, I do not believe that he would turn down a fight with anybody from 60 to 75. For what? Mm -hmm. I mean – and I, this was a, a topic that you said today we're taping this on Thursday. So today, Thursday, is Oscar De La Hoya's birthday. So I was having some discussions with folks on Twitter about that. And, and the thing about Oscar, it, which is somewhat similar to Canelo, even though Canelo just has the one loss to Mayweather, <clears throat> Oscar, for better or for worse, fought everybody. He didn't care. He fought all the big names of his time. He won some, he lost some, but he was the biggest star. He made the most money and he had the most fans. And if Canelo Alvarez were to go and fight a better BF, for example, and he lost. Do you think that the people and the fans of boxing are going to hold that against him? No, they're going to give him the props for daring to be great. Because 
you fought the boogeyman. And by the way, as much respect, as much as I like to watch better be, I don't think he's unbeatable. I saw him flailing around on the deck against Callum Johnson, who's just a, you know, a good contender type fighter at this point. I mean, why would he be fearful of that? He's fought everybody, everybody tough. And uh, I have no doubt. And it's not like Better Beev is a young guy. Canelo is still in his prime. Uh, Better Beev is like 35. Uh, hasn't fought in a while. Who knows what's going to be? I have no doubt that if, if the opportunity arose for him to fight for the undisputed light heavyweight championship against Arthur Better Beev, Canelo Alvarez would, would be more than interested to make a deal for that fight. Yeah, no, I agree. I don't think anything's off the table. Better Beev probably the... One guy, least maybe least likely, definitely Bevel, most likely Joe Smith. Better be a probably, let's say that. Uh, but we'd have to see how that, that goes. But could be, either way, I think the light heavyweight division, which has been not as sexy as it used to be uh, over the last few years, I think it's uh, poised at least to make a comeback, at least in the eyes of many people out there. Uh, Dan, always appreciate your time, man. Keep up the great work. Subscribe to Dan's newsletter every morning, danrayfield.substack.com. You can check him out on Twitter, at danrayfield one Read his stuff, boxing scene, and ringtv.com. Good to catch up with you, my friend. Chris, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. And I'll say one thing, by the way. It's not just you might get stuff in your inbox in the morning. Depending on what's going on, you might get something. You might get something at night. Bonus coverage, baby. All right, brother. Appreciate it. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because, God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I, I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Canelo Alvarez squaring off against Avni Yildirim. Uh, that fight will be for the WBC and WBA Super Middleweight Championships. You can see that fight live and in person down in Miami or watch it streaming on DAZN. Avni is here and his trainer, the great Joel Diaz, uh, joining me from Turkey where they are opening uh, this training camp. Avni, Joel, appreciate your time. Uh, Joel, I want to ask you first, um, a lot of people in the U.S. are aware of you, you know, of all the guys you've trained over the years. Tell me how you got involved with Avni. Well, I got involved with Avni due to uh, gold, uh, Golden Boy's um, Robert Diaz. Robert Diaz, uh, 2000, I've trained a lot of uh, Golden Boy fighters. I have a good relationship with Golden Boy for many years. So every time there's a fighter out there 
you know, that goes to Golden Boy or has some sort of relationship with Golden Boy, uh, they usually send them my way. And uh, it was October of uh, 2019 when Robert Diaz, uh, Golden Boy matchmaker, he calls me and he says, Thank you for everything, Robert. And uh, <laughs> he calls me up one day and says, Hey, uh, Joel, I'm going to ask you, there is a kid, you know, who's out there and he's, you know, he's really good. He's a good fighter. And, uh, you know, I've been, I known him and I know his manager for a long time. He's not happy where he's training right now. And um, he wants to, he, his manager called me and asked me if I would refer him to somebody, to another trainer who, who, who would I re recommend. So I said, you, I mean, are you willing to, I said, Robert, you know, I'm a trainer, bring him my way. So sure thing, they brought him to Indio and in the first week, in the first week training with him, he fell in love with my work. You know, he was like, he's like the happiest guy I've ever met because this guy is not only a, a gym rat, he's not only a, a workhorse, he's a smart fighter and he's about learning. A lot of things, a lot of things that he never learned through his career, he learned them now and he loves the work I put in. He never complains. It doesn't matter how hard the work I give him, never complains, he does it. And that's the reason why I like Abney because he's the type of person that any trainer would like to have. He doesn't complain. He's not bragging. He just does what you tell him. He's a he's a true soldier. I can tell you that because if I tell him to do it, he won't he won't ask why or when. He just do it. Abney, were you looking for a new trainer back then? My promoter to uh, talk to is Robert Diaz. Robert uh, close friend is my, my promoter. And then uh, I come to in India for the training camp. When I come to India, it's meet is with my coach, and then uh, I understood there is a great training camp. I believe in myself, but I believe in uh, himself. You know, but uh, big chance for me. But everything is I know, I know, I know, I know. Big uh, everything is possible with my coach. I believe in myself, and and important. I believe in himself. You know, he's got no everything, but everything will be good. You know. He basically said that he thanks he, th he thanks he thanks Roberto Diaz yeah. for uniting us, connecting us. You know, back in the day, and he says that even though everybody see, I mean, they know him. He's, a, he's an underdog. That he's fighting for his country, for his fans. I don't, care what, I don't you know, care what He doesn't care says. about what anybody yeah. says in regards of him being an underdog. Underdog. He's gonna shock the people, the fans. He's doing it for his fans, for his people here in Turkey, coach, coach, in Europe, coach. and everywhere. Everything is possible with my coach. I believe in himself. You know, everything, everybody is, everyone is uh, shocked. Everyone is, will be shocked, you know. But I, I believe in myself. He trusts me. I don't, care, I don't care what anyone says. I don't care what anyone says, you know. Most of the people that know of Avni in the U.S. saw the Anthony Durrell fight, the one that he lost, uh, the technical decision. What changes have you made, if any, from the fighter that fought that fight? Technical, I mean, look, what kind of changes I made to him? A lot. Abney is a completely different fighter from when he fought Durrell and when he fought Eubank. I mean, when I saw, I went back with him after I started. Watch, I, I, I tell you something for everyone. When, when with uh, Joel Diaz, Avni's changed. New Avni's come, you know. Is rematch Antonio? I promise for everyone. I fight him. Is in six rounds, you know. No chance, you know. He, he believes, and I know, and I believe it. If you think he can finish him within six rounds? If he yes. would, if he would fight, uh, uh, I, pro I promise for everyone, you know. I and promise he promised for everyone. If he would to fight, yeah. Anthony, he will not come out. In six I believe rounds. in myself, bro. I believe in myself. Let's go. Because because what we did with Abney is like, I like, Abney, why? I mean, you're a stronger guy. I mean, you are yeah. physically stronger fighter. and But he had no defense. Come on, bro. He had no defense when he came to me. That's why they call him the robot. Right now, there's no robot in this guy anymore. I can tell you. But the thing is this. I made a complete transformation because I dedicated time to him. I mean, it... The, the COVID situation helped me to help him because there was nothing to do. 
there was no fights. So just to keep them busy and keep myself busy, we will go to the gym and work on technique, work on defense, work on offense, make, making them a better fighter. If, I mean, it's just, it's just something that we're going to keep to ourselves because we, we like the fact that everybody sees Abney Yildirim as a robot, one-dimensional coming forward and taking a beating. I like that. I like that. And to me, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna expose any more than that. I'm ready, bro. Because, I'm ready. because that's what pe- that's what I want people to think. I want people to see what they want to see, and they're gonna go back and see the the, the Durrell and the Eubank fight, and I want it because that way it gives the people something to talk about. But when Abney gets in that ring, and I guarantee you, because I saw him spar today, I saw him spar Saturday, and I'm like, wow, you know, I mean. So happy with his performance today. So happy with his performance on Saturday, and we still got quite a bit of uh, uh, of land to clear, you know. So he's only getting better. He's only getting better throughout the weeks that we got. Uh, the reason why I'm here is because you know this situation going back to the COVID again is visa problems. But we're expecting his visa to be here this week. That's why I came since last week. I'm here. I've been here already. Today is, is one week. So this is my second week with him. So I wanted to start already. He was already working on some physical and running and stuff while he was here and when I wasn't here. But I decided, you know what, let's go. I landed in Turkey and and pick up where we left off when we were in India. And as we started picking up where we left off, it only took us two rounds because after the third round, he picked it up quick because he's a smart guy. He's not just Abney the robot. He's not. He is a different, complete, transformed fighter. And, you know, we worked all last week, prepared him really good. We got some sparring Saturday. He looked he looked really good, but I said, you're going to get better. Today, he looked phenomenal, honestly. Little little things that we still need to because work. You, but you still, we still have plenty of, you, of time. Because of you. Because and of you. I'm not only, I'm not only a person that's training him physically. I'm training him mentally. And that's what makes it interesting. You know, we can't just give out everything, but I can tell you is this. We're in the, we are in the entertainment business, and we're going to give the fans a great fight. We're going to give the fans a great fight, and, and it's part of the show. People don't know who, who, who Abney is, just like every other fighter when nobody knew him, but eventually they will. Eventually they will know who Abney Yildirim is after February 27th. Joel, I know you know this, but in in boxing, certainly a trainer would like a couple of lower level fights before they take on a big fish to get, you know, used to, you know, being in the corner with your guy. Um, how do you compensate that when you're going up against the number one fighter in the world? How do you, how do you make sure that the lessons that you've been giving him in sparring and in training over these last couple of years that they stick when he gets into maybe a firefight with a great like Canelo? Well, there's firefights in sparring. That's where everything. That's where everything starts. In the gym, I'm on him. He's the only person I'm focused on around, and I'm I'm next to him every minute of the training. Not only physically preparing him, but psychologically because I want him to to listen to the voice of command. His voice of command is me, and I repeat over and over, this that I want you to do this, and I yell at him, and just so that I know that the day of the fight. He's listening to me because I am his voice of command. And I understand that in the situation, I understand the, the situation of the fight, the, the time of, of the fight. But you know what? Like I told him, opportunities come once in a lifetime. If you let them go, they may not come around again. You know, it's already here. Let's take advantage of it. I mean, many times I've seen it in boxing history, fighters take, take fights. Take take the opportunities, and they shock the world. And hey, I mean, he has a lot of possibilities, a lot of chance. He is a smart fighter, heavy-handed with both hands, and physically strong. He has all the tools. If I if I knew myself, that's why I tell him. If I knew myself that he didn't have a possibility, he didn't have a chance. Honestly, I would stay back home. I have a family. I have my wife and my kids at home. I have a whole team of uh, of fighters back in my gym with my, bro- with, with my brother. You are his famous coach. But you know what? I'm here because I can believe. I believe in him. 
I believe in him and he believes in me. And when I put in some work, as you, as, as people that have seen me before in the past. You don't care money, you don't care anything, you know? Everybody that knows my, my everybody that knows my career, they know that I've always been underdog. Mm -hmm. I've always been underdog. I mean, look at Bradley, all his career, he was underdog. He won five world titles. I guess everybody. And I mean, I put in my work. I'm a true believer that you put in your work and you're gonna get great results. I'm not, I don't slack with my fighters. I'm a hundred percent trainer. I'm with him since I wake up till I go to sleep, you know, because I have a lot of pride. When I lose, it takes me days to recover from a loss. That's why I have a lot of pride. And when I go to a fight, my objective is to win. Regardless, we're going to put up a great fight. I'm, I guarantee you, but we are looking for the victory. We're not going to show up just to show up. We're not, or else I will not show up because I don't like to go to an event, to a fight and just say, oh, we're going to go try. There's no such thing of trying. There's no such thing as trying. We're going for all the marbles. I'm telling you. And, you know, if our destiny is to shock the world, hey, we'll welcome that, that surprise. But we're going We're going with an intention, you know. I know we are facing right now uh, uh, Canelo Alvarez. He is the top fighter of the moment. I understand. I understand everything. I understand the situation and everything. But you know what? We are taking advantage of the, uh, of the opportunity. We thank the Canelo team. We thank Canelo. We have much respect for his team, for Canelo uh, and everybody that made this possible. We are so grateful for it. So we have to take advantage of it. This. You know, we got the opportunity, we're grateful for it, and now we're going to work hard to take advantage of the opportunity with this guy. Joel, we have seen fighters try different things with Canelo. With Golovkin, he wanted to get into a firefight with him. That didn't work. Uh, Kovalev, he tried to out-jab him in that fight. That didn't really work. Whatever Callum Smith tried to do in that fight, that didn't really work. Have you seen anything where other opponents have had success that you can maybe build on with your fighter in this fight? Of course. Everybody everybody walks in the ring with a plan. But obviously Canelo, Canelo has a plan of his own. And sometimes you get distracted. But one of the first things you've got to do with Canelo is frustrate him a little bit. You've got to frustrate him. Don't let him fall in his comfort zone. If you let him fall in his comfort zone, he's in control. You cannot let him fall in his comfort zone. You've got to frustrate him mentally. He's a strong physically. Physically, he's a strong fighter. He's smart. That's the reason why we cannot let him fall in his comfort zone, and we gotta always frustrate him from the beginning. Once he starts getting frustrated, he starts losing his rhythm. And those are those are some of the keys that we that, you know that, that we got to work on, and we've been working on. You know, other than that, the physical part, the the plan of attack, I'm not gonna expose anything because we have a great plan of attack. And like I said from the beginning, I want people to believe. I mean, I want people to 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 have in mind what they saw on his last previous fights. I like it because they're going to be fake they're going to be they're going to be based on that. And uh they're going to have a big surprise once Abney gets in the ring, Abney is going to be well known after the fight. Well known amongst the fans around the world, they're going to know who Abney Yildirim is. Abney, how confident are you going into this fight? I don't know anything. My coach has everything, you know. By him saying that is that he believes in me and he mm -hmm. has all the confidence in me. Because every day he tells me, Coach, I believe in you. You tell me what to do just, and I do it. Just, just, if you tell just me, I believe in you, Coach. He says, no. I believe in you. Okay, and, by him believe, and by him believing in me, Coach knows everything. That's it, you know. No. It's like he tells me, Coach, I'm your soldier. You tell me what to do. And I receive your orders. I go for it. I don't talk. I don't talk. Talk to him is anyone but, uh, for anyone. You know, too much, too much. Emni is a believer. So, Abney, I, don't, I don't care. I don't care uh, anything. You know, it's just every day is training, more training, more training. It's. We spoke today at breakfast, and he told me, you know what, coach? I'm not a fighter that likes to talk. I don't. You know, I just you tell me what to do, and I'm a professional. You know. I'm a professional. I like to do my work. We train in the morning. We train in the afternoon. And that's all I do. Uh, I don't talk bad about nobody. I keep myself very respectful, very humble. And, uh, you know, I just fight. You tell me what to do, and I do it. All right. Well, we'll see if we can get it done. <laughs> I meet you. I meet you. I meet you. I believe you. And 
You will see. Yep. You will see. We will see February. Let's go. February 27th uh, in Miami, live on DAZN. Uh, Fellas, good luck the last couple of days overseas. Look forward to seeing you back here in the U.S. and in Miami during Fight Week. Thanks. Thanks for joining me. All right, that's it for this week's episode. My thanks to my guests. As always, subscribe to the podcast over at Apple Podcasts. Rate, review, you know I appreciate it, and I'll see you next week. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.